2: Hello everyone, you're listening to the Road Best Ball Series. I am your host Column Kelly and you can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and today I'm delighted to be joined on the show by TJ Hernandez from 4 for who you can follow on Twitter quite simply at TJ Hernandez. TJ, uh, we've done a lot of podcasts over the times together but we're we'll going to be talking specifically best ball today so looking forward to getting into it. How have you been my friend?
3: I have been good just uh finally winding down the season a little bit. I know we still have Super Bowl this week, but uh obviously not really much fantasy left unless you're playing the the one game slate on on DraftKings, but uh, good man just uh just recovering from a long season. At this point I just kind of feel like I'm I'm coming out of a cave and seeing the sunlight for the first time all year.
2: Yeah, it just uh it's been it's been a crazy season, but uh I guess that's why we we all do it. and We all love it and uh <laughs> For the listeners who maybe they're living under a shell or living in a cave and they're coming out for the first time and they, they haven't heard off TJ for some unknown reason, TJ is also the co-host of the the, D, uh, the DFS MVP podcast with Chris Rabon, which is absolutely tremendous throughout the season, so make sure you check that out. Chris is also one of the, the guests here on the Best Ball series as we move through it, so you'll get to hear his thoughts on baseball as well, but uh, a great team there and uh, really great content throughout the season. So we move on to baseball and looking at it today on the show, we're going to focus on kind of uh, pitfalls. To avoid and basically what not to do when you're drafting your best ball lineups uh, for this coming season what uh, i guess we'll we'll give uh, the perspective first two guys maybe who haven't played uh, heading in for their first time and you know if you're used to redraft or you're used to dynasty you're trying to have that roster where you can tinker with it all season long and change those players what are some of the the mistakes you think that those uh, new guys coming in you know fresh off the boat into the into the best ball pool what do you think the biggest mistakes they make are
3: yeah, I think probably one of the first things that uh that people need to understand it's it's really hard to grasp in NFL in any format uh really because there's just so much week to week and season to season variance in fantasy football uh that that it's really hard to get a grasp on who really has a, who's very strong and, and skilled at a particular game who isn't, uh, especially if you're not playing really high volume. And, and I think that, uh, starting out with just the format and, and the, uh, the setup of this league can, can really throw new players for a loop. I mean, we have a, a winner take all strategy, uh, uh set up in a game that has, uh, 20 draft spots where you aren't uh, really managing in season. So I think especially for, Uh, those players that aren't playing uh, really high volume, that uh, just drafting just takes... Uh, it requires more risk. You're just, you're looking to take down a uh, one prize out of a, a 12, uh, 12 team league. So you're going to need to kind of uh, shoot for the stars, go for some, some ceiling a little bit more. Whereas in a redraft league, I think you could uh, play it a little bit safer. You could, if you're good at managing the waiver wire, or if you've been in a league for a long time and kind of uh, know the, the nuances of that league, know where you can make trades, uh, know where, uh, Teams or, or players are, are going to be over or undervalued. You could uh, really take advantage of that. And in in best ball, uh, it's it's really just risk management if you're playing high volume uh, portfolio management and another thing is uh, just adjusting for ADP because of the setup because people are are taking uh, multiple players at each position even the onesie positions like defense tight end quarterback uh, there's gonna be a, a big shift in ADP especially in those middle rounds uh, just because where where those second quarterbacks or second or third tight ends are being taken uh, other other leagues they're not even being tanked at all so I think just getting a, a little bit bit of a grasp on those nuances, looking at at past ADP can really give newer players a big advantage over someone that's just kind of jumping into it blindly and not knowing what to expect.
2: Yeah, and when you look at it, you mentioned their uh, roster management and, you know, the waiver wire in season-long leagues, and there's there's many, many cases uh, in this past season you'll have seen the teams really got off to a great start. Maybe they had Deshaun Watson or Will Fuller on their team, and then obviously Watson goes down into it. There's very quickly, if you lose out on quarterbacks or even at the running back position, you start to lose those studs. Very quickly, your team can really fall apart. So uh, you mentioned, you know, there is no waiver wire. You're going to season-long with these guys. So it's a bit like playing uh, DFS, except you have to do it mm-hmm. uh, kind of 15 weeks in advance or 20 weeks in <laughs> yeah. advance and try and Run it throughout the whole thing without having any injuries and having everyone hit uh, their you know peak uh, performances. Traded some of the kind of strengths that you would need to understand for the team and how to adjust for earlier picks. How have you found uh, as you've kind of developed your strategy? Trying to do you tend to pay much attention to what other teams are doing? You know, you'll see somebody might have had taken two quarterbacks in those first ten rounds, or maybe somebody has no quarterbacks after the first ten rounds, and you're trying to decide when to make that next move and what position to go with, maybe around those mid rounds.
3: Yeah, there's definitely some some game theory and and uh, whatnot you could pay attention to looking at the runs of of specific drafts. Like uh, this kind of comes down to um, how many leagues I'm playing. If I'm if I'm tending to play, if I'm going to play high volume, uh, if if I'm just playing a few leagues, and I see something like you mentioned, a, a couple uh, quarterbacks going early or or quarterbacks going significant early, obviously you have to adjust your strategy a little bit. Uh, whereas if you're Playing relatively high volume, uh, you could kind of wait that run out, and that team might not be optimal for that specific draft, but uh, what that's going to do, uh, not adjusting your strategy, it's going to let you have a uh, unique uh, team or a couple players that you might not have across your entire player portfolio just because you're letting some of those uh, those values fall to you and I think that's a really important aspect of best ball and something that that still gets overlooked that will probably come back to quite a few times uh, in this podcast because people get so hung up uh, on those players they like the roster construction they like that they forget if you're playing a, a lot of lineups, we're playing a lot of teams, I'm sorry. Uh, Getting that that value is really important, I think, just by kind of building – a portfolio of players that have fallen well past their ADP, whether it's a, a round for an early guy or two or three rounds for a mid-round guy, uh, that can really add up to a, a lot of equity over the long term. So I think kind of just uh, understanding the flow of the draft, understanding, uh, like you said, player types, which we can get to shortly, uh, is is really important in how you're adjusting in drafts and and really being flexible with whatever strategy you have going into it.
2: Yeah, and it's not something that we really want to admit, but sometimes those players that you don't really want on your roster can turn out to be some of the best <laughs> decisions that do yeah. fall your way. Uh, some listeners uh, ha- might not have played be- much best ball, might be trying to think about getting into it this year and what they should do when they're getting started, but... Uh, you know, if you're coming from a redraft league and are ready to, to jump into this format of uh, fantasy football, what do you think is the, the biggest differences from uh, best ball compared to, uh, you know, we'll just stick to season long for the, the easiest comparison to it based on that in-season management? Do you pr- pri- prioritise certain types of players or how do you go about it from that, from that angle?
3: Yeah, I, I think player type and and roster construction are uh, the two biggest things that that people coming from redraft really need to understand. Uh, if you are looking at player types, uh, I mean, uh, high floor, high ceiling players are are words that kind of get thrown around, but without much explanation. I think it's it's really important to understand what that means. I mean, if you have um, say. I think it's kind of more important roster construction if you if you come into a a draft and you end up with some some really uh say i don't know a, a lot of a lot of running backs in your first couple rounds just because that's how uh the draft falls you're going to need to take some some safer wide receivers in those coming rounds uh just to get that floor and then wait much longer for uh some kind of flyer guys whereas if you have a more balanced lineup you could take some some riskier spots at the other positions because you have uh that floor and also understanding the difference between a player um say like like a jarvis landry and and I guess Deshaun Jackson's the classic example, but uh, uh, understanding where that variance is going to come and how that's going to turn into points. uh, If you have a a team full of Jarvis Landry's – I mean, intuitively, that might look nice. I mean, he did have a really nice ceiling this year, but that's just kind of the classic example. It might be hard for you to take down a, a, a winner-take-all league, whereas if you have a team full of Deshaun Jacksons, that that might look risky on the surface because they're risky players, but that team's going to have a really high ceiling. And with a lot of high-ceiling players on the same team, uh, you're actually going to have a, a pretty decent Floor because you have a such a huge roster, so understanding those nuances and and really uh understanding what they mean to uh, point allocation, I think, is really important.
2: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson. I think I think every guest on the show so far has mentioned Deshaun Jackson at some point. Yeah, so maybe we should change. He's just
3: that he's just that classic high ceiling example, and it didn't come to fruition this year. So maybe we need a new example. But uh, that's just when you Ginn. say that people understand. Yeah, yeah. Ted Ginn's a good one.
2: Uh, so it, it's uh, always. Uh, getting that strategy because at the end of the day if you come 12th you get the same prizes if you come third you know if you come Mm -hmm. second and some of them you'll get a you know basically a voucher to play next season's league so you get a free entry but really and truly if you want to win you have to come first so unless you win unless you have that high ceiling you're you're not going to get the prize and you mentioned you know Jarvis Landry who is that safe floor player who's going to get you maybe you know those uh, kind of 10 targets every week but at the end of it all if he finishes you in fourth place that is not going to get the job mm-hmm. done when you're playing in baseball. Uh, you know you mentioned the draft uh kind of strategies in terms of if you have a lot of running backs early what do you have to do later on in the draft with the wide receiver position and getting those safe floor guys but do you tend to have any sort of strategy going in with uh you know mind to the popular one say zero wide receiver or zero running back uh you know maybe late quarterback what's your kind of view have you a particular strategy going in or is it just a case of whatever way the, the draft develops
3: Yeah, this is one spot where I've actually kind of shifted back and forth over the years. Uh, There there have been some uh, big value opportunities if you've looked at the ebb and flow of drafts over the past couple years. Last year, uh, we we saw a little bit of a shift back to running back, uh, which in theory should have opened up some wide receiver opportunity, but we saw uh, some of those top guys with some injuries and whatnot throughout the year. But um, kind of what I shifted to uh, last year was uh, more focusing On more of an early round diversification, just because, uh, I mean, a lot of those these first round picks are first round picks for a reason. And I think to, to load up on a certain position or a certain player in early rounds is probably doing yourself a little bit of a disservice. Uh, Obviously, if you didn't have someone like a a Todd Gurley or or DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to have a tough time having a great season. Uh, So people that were zeroed in on on a specific strategy in the early rounds uh, or a specific player in the early rounds uh, can really kind of set you up, kind of put you behind the eight ball. Whereas if you, Look to diversify in those early rounds, then uh, adjust your strategy based on what those early rounds gave you. Uh, that was much more how I was setting up uh, my teams in terms of, of roster construction or uh, positional allocation and just kind of understanding what those uh, those early draft players meant to how I should approach the rest of my draft.
2: Yeah and last season was uh, particularly kind of a little bit different than normal. It really came down to at the end of the season if you picked in certain spots and those first two picks off the draft that you really mm-hmm. could have set yourself up so so well and we obviously couldn't know that prior to the time and everyone thought they were making the best picks possible but you know if you, if you started off with David Johnson or even mm-hmm. if you started off with Ezekiel Elliott who did miss those final games of the season but gave you the big weeks early on there was just the, the diversification between injuries and high performance and low performance you know you, if you had Keaton Allen in there DeAndre Hopkins, Todd Gurley some of those later second round picks if you picked you know, Le'Veon Bell with those it really set you up for the season was that something that uh, you were fortunate enough to happen on any occasions that didn't really fall my way this year?
3: i mean it it's kind of it's kind of twofold right if you picked in those certain spots and then if you uh if you had kareem, enough kareem hunt and and um alvin kamara then yeah. that was kind of the the yeah, combo you over. were looking for <laughs> but yeah so i mean you i i think you have to focus in on on those things that you have control of obviously if you if you had a lot of uh draft picks and at the one or two spot and ended up with a lot of david johnson uh probably probably didn't go so great but at the same time coming back around if you had the one or two, there was a lot of times where you could get both Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins at that 2-3 turn. So I think uh, the bigger point is not looking at a draft or, or a season even and saying, oh, if I didn't have these three or four guys, then um, I, I wasn't going to profit. So it's just kind of bad luck. But I would I would argue that – Going into uh, these leagues, not even just a single league, but going into your entire best ball season with a plan of how to properly diversify, uh, which I I probably didn't do very well to answer your question uh, this season, is going to give you enough exposure to those guys to where if you're making good decisions between those players, even if you don't like them, uh, you could still have a profitable season. Remember, you only have to win about – 10% Ten percent of your leagues to break even, so uh, that that's that's not particularly hard to do, and you should be landing on uh, a couple of those players or avoiding a couple of those landmines if you are diversifying properly.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned there, you know, don't you know the strategy based on one season, and it can just be based on luck. I think it's an it's a key point to make is when you're drafting, whether it's baseball, whether it's redraft, whether it's uh, dynasty leagues, it, you need to have a, a, a kind of a plan over a sustained period of time to be able to check if your strategy. Is- actually working you can't just say oh one year it worked so it's brilliant and the second year it didn't work so it's terrible you kind of have to work it over a, a sample size and figure things out is that the way you would look at it too not just you know decide oh 2016 was great 2017 was bad and change your strategy you need to, to stick with it long term have little tweaks but not uh, major changes
3: yeah not just that but also just having a, a pulse on on what the industry's doing I mentioned in the last couple of years it's went all the way to zero running back or, or back to uh, zero wide receiver obviously that's going to open some uh, some huge value opportunities and you need to be able to take advantage of those but uh, again just I think best is such a unique animal because not only does it come down to uh, obviously player evaluation but roster construction uh, technique which just isn't it's it's not a thought and redraft. Like we're very constrained into how many players we're gonna have at each position. Yes, some people might have a backup tight end, some people might have a backup quarterback, but there's a lot of flexibility in these best ball leagues and I think people really need to go into it understanding those nuances. Are you gonna have uh, go into it having two or three quarterbacks or or setting up these if then statements, sure. I want two quarterbacks, but if I don't get one till this round, and can't get two. Say I don't know top 15 quarterbacks. I'm gonna, I need to get a, a third quarterback. I think a lot of that is going to go back to strategy, and 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 yeah, you're not going to have a something specific that you do in every draft. You should be flexible, but maybe having a, a range or a very uh, specific plan for diversification or hedging, which I think people are. Myself included, probably now that I went back and looked had time to look back at my teams, uh, not just blindly diversifying. I I think uh you have to go further than just saying, Oh, I need thirty percent of each player and, and that's it.
2: Yep, no, I agree uh, 100% with that. I just want to let the listeners know while we're running through the show here that you can still get yourself a 30% discount to a Rotovis NFL Pass. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotovis.com forward slash podcast. That subscription will give you unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it helps support the pod. So be sure and get that 30% discount for that NFL pass at rotovis.com forward slash podcast that will also take you through all the way through the 2018 season. So pretty much uh, an entire year of RotoVis.com content which uh, i really uh, can't recommend enough to all the listeners so go check that out if you haven't already availed off the discount i also want to tell you about mybookie.ag they are the number one rated online sports book and they are the official sports book of rotoviz radio the fantasy season is over but there is no need for your nfl knowledge and your sporting knowledge Uh, to not be able to cash you in and win some prizes of course mybookie.ag can help you with that there's odds on pretty much everything this weekend great live betting options and an all new prop builder you can pretty much create your own bet slips no matter what you want think something's going to happen in the game this weekend put that down in mybookie.ag and you can get a line on it so have some fun with what your predictions are put your money where your mouth is if you sign up with the code rv radio they will match your first deposit with up to a 50 percent bonus so as simple as that 50 percent for just signing up using our code RV Radio, they have been with us throughout the season. They're with us again for the Super Bowl. The official sports book, as I mentioned, off Roadways Radio. And quick payouts, no hassle, easy. Get your money on, get your win, and then just keep going from there. It is mybookie.ag. The promo code again: RV Radio. Back to best ball once again now that you know you mentioned that you got to go back and look at your teams and what happened throughout the season now we know the outcomes uh, who are some of your uh, highest owned players and why and i see the list in front of me and the first name here on the list uh Really, uh, that's close to home.
3: Yeah, when I tell you my highest own players, are probably going to think there's no way I was profitable this year, but somehow I squeaked out a, a little bit in the <laughs> black. But, but the players that I was really going after this year were Spencer Ware, DeAndre Washington, and Andy Dalton. And, and Spencer Ware was really the only – I think where he was probably going around four or five. Um, I, I just like the setup for Kansas City running backs in that offense. Obviously, that take – Worked out, just not with the player we were hoping for. Uh, and then one thing, I, I mean, if you look at DeAndre Washington, Nandy Dalton, I, I like the spots they were in. But uh, a general takeaway that that I would say from looking at the short list is that Two of my three highest-owned guys were very, very late, so the, the risk of of having these highest-owned players uh, is relatively low, and you can recover from that. And I think that is one strategy aspect that, that people should be paying attention to. Those players that you're really going all-in on are 50 60% ownership. Those guys should be very late picks because if they don't hit, uh, the leverage of those picks is very low. If you, take, if you turn that around, we talked about David Johnson this year. I mean, obviously, that's going to depend on, on your draft slot. But uh, if you never diversified between him and Le'Veon Bell when you had the chance and went all in on David Johnson, you probably didn't have a very good year.
2: Yeah, it's just it's pretty much uh, what equity you're taking them at. Whether it's the first round or the twentieth round, there's a huge difference mm-hmm. there. If they don't hit for you, and uh, you know, you mentioned Spencer Ware at the time of his injury, he was my highest owned player at that point in time. And uh, if you can guess who my highest owned player come the end of draft season was, uh, I'll pretty much give you a million dollars. It's a backup running back in the NFL. I'll just give you one opportunity to guess there, TJ. <laughs>
3: a backup running back in the NFL. Um... Oh man. I'm I'm trying to think I, that's so long ago. Um who's the pass catcher running back for Seattle that everyone was so high on going into the season? Pro save. Yeah, was it pro-size?
2: No, it wasn't. And it actually uh, fits in very well with you being on the show. It was actually TJ Eldon. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, it was just uh, prior to the draft, I was taking the opportunity there, and then obviously fell pretty much to undraftable after Fournette went in there. I was getting them in the kind of 20th round. And I just yeah. was every time just clicking on it. Let's see how it works. Let's see how it works. And obviously it worked out for Fournette owners. It did not work out for well, myself and TJ Eldon.
3: I'm, I'm glad you, that's actually really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up and it wasn't a, a point that uh, I planned to hit on or didn't hit on when uh, you talked about what newer players should, should expect or be thinking about. But one thing that I think that people are really intimidated by when they get into best ball that they, they just kind of brush to the side is these things start so early and the, the knee jerk reaction is that's dumb. Why would I be drafting a, a fantasy football team in March? There's a ton of opportunity there, uh, One of the biggest things in fantasy is is a fear of the unknown. And when we have, uh, I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, these rookies that we don't know how to evaluate or we don't know where they're going to land, you could literally just throw darts at some of these guys that we know are going to be relatively high picks, but we don't know how high. You're getting these guys in the 17th, 18th, 19th round by the end of draft season, they're being taken in the fifth sixth seventh round so i mean a lot of times it doesn't work out but when it does that's a huge value opportunity so yeah you said fournette fell into the mix doesn't work out but if you're starting early you're going to get the flip side of that a lot too
2: yeah, it, it works both ways, and it has in many seasons. You know, sometimes you're picking those guys and you stick with them, try to the process. Then there's an injury there, they starting running back, and it works from there. You know, Gio Bernard, Giovanni Bernard a couple of seasons ago was that way, and it's just those pass catching running backs. you always take the opportunity on them. And uh, you know, when Fournette was out this season, a couple of games uh, that Yeldon had big, big days. There was a big game against the Colts, and he actually, when uh, Fournette was out in the playoffs against the Patriots, he had a really kind of nice performance there. So that'll probably hype me up again heading into next season. We'll see what happens. I think he is a. Free- Agent this season off season so we'll see if he can snatch on anywhere else we'll see what happens with the uh, TJ uh, Yeldon on our TJ watch here on the podcast but uh, from a strategy perspective are there any areas that you think the the baseball community at large are overemphasizing you know you touched on. Uh, roster construction techniques and you know some of the different uh, attributes around there and having a pulse on the industry and where people are going you know what the the draft strategy of the popular one and it is going to be popular this next coming season uh, running backs all the way in that first round pretty much i think is what we're going to see and then obviously player talent and and i mentioned at the running back position what do you think that maybe the the community is overemphasizing
3: yeah in the last uh, especially last year but the last year or two one thing that we've really seen uh, driving content. And I've, I've written a lot about this myself is that, uh, roster construction strategy and, uh, really specific roster construction strategies. So for those that aren't uh, super familiar with best ball, uh, I mean, a roster construction strategy would be, uh, something like, uh, if you take, uh, two quarterbacks, uh, seven, uh, Four, four running backs, ten wide receivers, two tight ends, two defenses. I'm just, I'm just throwing a, a number out there, but that's what we're talking about, and uh, really getting an idea of how each of those, how profitable each of those specific strategies are. Um, it's a really good exercise, but also I think when we see those winning percentages or win rates, I think a lot of people get caught up and say, "Okay, I need exactly seven wide receivers. I I can never have more than five running backs." But uh, I I don't want that's definitely not overemphasized. I think maybe more. Uh, misunderstood, especially from novice players where, more importantly, you have to have these range of players at each position that you want to stay within and being able to uh, adjust. And talking about specifically the running back position, like you mentioned, I think uh, we've heard so much about the resurgence of the running back position. And I think when people hear that, uh, they really tend to focus on uh, these players being taken in the first two to three rounds where they think they're going to be the 300 touchbacks. But uh, what gets forgotten a little bit is the position as a whole and not just looking at, at player talent, but player opportunity. These backup value running backs are, are, are so important to taking down leagues. And a lot of times, at least in my experience, it's it's a little nerve-wracking to take some of these players because we don't have an indication early in the year. We can't adjust in best ball. So if you're taking someone like a Kareem Hunt or an Alvin Kamara, uh, maybe you don't get that production in, in week one or two, and and it looks like a bad pick. But uh, that opportunity is huge, and I think people need to uh, not forget about those, those running back committees because... Ultimately, the league is shifting that way, and and I don't think focusing on just those top guys is the way to uh, leverage that situation if you do think running back is coming back.
2: Yeah, and one of my favorite things about baseball, and it's similar to why I like Dynasty League so much, is you need to be looking when you're playing them in February and March at the you know what's happening with the team cap mm-hmm. uh, implications. You know if a player might get cut at some point, what's going to happen then later in the preseason? You need to be paying attention to all those beat writers and the beat reports. You really need to know the entire roster, and sometimes as you mentioned, those backup running backs are the ones that come on to be league winners, and you really need to know uh, is it worth taking the shot on them and justifying what your kind of angle on that is. You also mentioned uh, you know. We talked earlier about the strategy of, uh, oh, I need the first pick uh, or the second pick based on what happened in last year's drafts with the success rate of that based on what you're saying as well with i need three quarterbacks i need three defenses i need seven running backs and trying to fit that in those certain strategies are highly profitable but the other thing is that there's people with those strategies in those leagues you could have 12 teams or say 11 teams with that strategy and one team with a different strategy and sometimes then the team with the different strategy will win it's not just that clear cut so uh, we have to work through the the technique of roster construction from that angle don't just jump aboard uh, the train and uh, don't do your research and make sure you know what you're doing from that angle uh, then uh, a disappointing subject I think we, <laughs> we're we going to touch on here uh, the biggest mess of uh, 2017 in baseball for you it kind of relates to your uh, your highest own player
3: yeah so I was really high on Spencer Ware and, and uh, I didn't have uh, nearly enough Kareem Hunt I just he just wasn't a player that I, I particularly thought was going to jump Spencer Ware um, obviously Spencer Ware's uh, injury had a lot to do with that but And kind of looking uh, back at the season, I think – even if Spencer Ware never got hurt, Kareem Hunt probably would have ended up carving himself out a, a pretty big role in that offense. But uh, again, I, I think when we're looking at these misses or even hits throughout the season uh, or from the season, we want to be able to take some kind of lesson from it. We don't want to just say we, we missed on this player and player evaluation is one part of that. But I also think I, I already mentioned at running back. It's about opportunity. And when it comes down to best ball, I think it comes more down to um, hedging and, and diversification. And I kind of briefly touched on the idea that I think people go about diversification wrong. I think they look at, uh, at an app like, like the, the best ball app on Rotovis and say, okay, I have this percentage of this player I don't want anymore. That's fine. But really we should be thinking about in terms of, of hedging and, and team and portfolio. So, uh, Let's just take this example. Spencer Ware, I think I ended up with something like 35 to 40% of Spencer Ware. It might have been a little bit lower, but that's still pretty high for a a top, I don't know, four-round pick. Uh, Kareem Hunt, even if I say you play 40 teams, even if I only have 10% of him, that's four teams. If those teams are are my winners, I'm I'm already pretty much breaking even, and and that's not that many relative to my uh, Spencer Ware shares, and kind of to to build on that, I think one way people go about this. Wrong, especially those that are coming from a redraft background, is I'm not taking them as handcuffs. You should be diversifying uh, across your teams, not within your team. So it gives you a very strong portfolio, also maximizes the ceiling of your portfolio. So, except for an extreme case like Mark Egram and Alvin Kamara, who both were huge this year usually these teammates aren't going to to blow up together i mean some some wide receiver combos yes uh some stacking combos but if we're just talking about within a backfield maybe if you're going to hedge on a guy you're high on look to hedge on different teams and i think that's a, a really small nuance that sometimes gets overlooked or not even discussed
2: yeah, and so kind of what you're saying is rather than having a handcuff on a team and having the two running backs on the one roster, is having a running back on two separate rosters and having yeah. one of the teams have that opportunity moving into this season. It's a very interesting way to look at it. When we're looking back at the community at large, is there anything you think that we should all be paying a little bit more attention to?
3: Yeah, I think it, I think we should really start um, reevaluating our, our takes on rookies. I mean, we saw. Uh, a couple of the, the best players in the league this year were, were uh, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. Uh, I know people are always quite hesitant on, on rookie wide receivers and for good reason, but uh, especially because a lot of them don't come on till later in the year if they do come on. But I, I think probably we need to be looking for uh, those value rookies a little bit more. Again, the the fear of the unknown from the fantasy community and this goes back to uh, maybe a good reason to get into best ball earlier in the year that that value for these rookies I think is is a little bit understated. I've, I've been a big anti-rookie proponent for quite some time but I think that's a, a shift that I, I need to make a little bit. I think probably just from a league level it's a little bit easier for these guys to come into the league and make an impact rules have shifted towards making it easier on offense. That obviously is going to have a huge impact uh, for fantasy. And again, I I touched on it earlier, uh, looking at those uh, running back committees looking for the value in that. It's it's not a new topic, but I think it's something that definitely gets forgotten because everybody wants the uh, those those Kareem hunts, those Alvin Kamara's, the Le'Veon Bell's, the guys that are gonna the blow the field out of the water. But uh, those running backs that are getting you consistent points as a committee are are really impor- important. And then building best ball teams that again focus on value, looking have some having some kind of system where you. Are always being, uh, you always have some kind of indicator when a player is falling beyond his ADP. This is especially important for people that are playing relatively high volume. If you're playing 30 plus leagues and you are continually pounding that value when it shows up instead of just taking your favorite players every time, I think that's going to be a very profitable strategy.
2: Yeah, I feel, I feel like the, there's a lot of good points being hit in there. I hopefully the listeners are really enjoying as uh, TJ continues to, to really put out some good advice here as we run through it. Uh, one thing I want to ask you is, you know, the popular question for people starting out is uh, how much should you worry about your exposure to specific players you mentioned already? You know, Spencer Ware having a kind of 35% ownership for you last year. Uh, do you think that starting out if you're playing even if you're only playing in 10 leagues starting out this year do you think you should these guys should be worrying more about specific players and uh, their exposure to them
3: i think probably more than uh a specific player save maybe some some really extreme examples that are maybe very high risk or or, uh, very low risk i think rather than uh specific player exposure i think Owners should go into the draft having a plan, kind of based on the equity of those picks. So, obviously, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Those first uh, one to three rounds, I'm I'm going to have more of a, a even exposure, or maybe I'm I'm not taking more than twenty five percent of any player uh, in in the first few rounds, but also maybe not less than I don't know. Ten percent or something like that, or fifteen percent. Uh, when you get to those middle rounds, you could expand that out a little bit. Maybe still not more than uh, less than ten percent of those players that you absolutely hate. But um, but you know maybe bumping that up to something like thirty-five percent or forty percent of of these players that aren't quite as expensive, but still uh, pretty high leverage. And then getting into these later rounds, I mentioned like the Deandre uh, Washington's and the Andy Dalton's, if you're at 50 or 60% of those guys, it's, it's still not going to cost you that much if they hit maybe more. So if you're really going in on a quarterback and just have a lot of two quarterback teams uh, and then, there's just going to be late round guys that you just aren't able. There's so many late round guys, so many more opportunities in those really late rounds. You're just not going to be able to, to fit all of those players on your team without just kind of blindly throwing darts. So the, the range of your exposures in those later rounds is going to be a lot wider. There's just, there's going to be players that you have zero exposure to. And sometimes that's going to, that's going to really kill you, but that's just uh, another reason to not just play a lot of leagues, but be playing leagues uh, throughout the, the entire draft season because those values do fluctuate a lot
2: and I, I asked you a couple of questions obviously about your worst call and the, obviously we had Spencer we're <laughs> the highest on player. so going to be a little bit nicer to you now. what was your best call of the, the 2017 season
3: Yeah, probably this is what one of the plays that that kept me afloat despite uh, some of those bad calls, but I was really high on Mark Ingram if we look at those first five rounds, right behind Spencer Ware, Mark Ingram was was the guy that I I had the most of, and that was probably more me being down on Adrian Peterson than being high on Mark Ingram, and it was just a player that we've seen uh, not need to uh, command ridiculously high volume to produce, and I mean his touch rates pretty much stayed on par with what we've seen with him in this offense. And and that was something I, I expected to continue. So again, uh, just having enough diversification, kind of trusting my read, not not going all in. Obviously, if I, I go all in, that looks a little bit better. But um, that diversification, uh, not having a ton of Mark Ingram, did allow me to get Kamara in some spots where uh, I necess- I probably uh, wasn't really too excited about him just because I didn't know much about how this was going to shake out. But Ingram was the one spot where I, I was pretty confident going into the year. And I think probably that that ended up being a, a minority take if we go all the way back to july or august
2: yeah no it, it certainly was at that stage of the season uh suppose you uh find yourself a time machine somewhere and you decided to head back in time prior to ever uh, playing in any baseball leagues what's the the best piece of advice you would give yourself as a as a non baseball player at that stage
3: Yeah, I think uh, like we touched on all the way at the top of the show is really understanding the format, understanding the impact of having 20 rounds, not having uh, any in-season management, what that's going to mean for how you approach player types, how you change your later picks based on on the earlier rounds, not just taking the the best player, your your favorite player at each spot, and also uh, just kind of having a plan. I mean, if you're going to play uh, just – You know, ten leagues, five or ten leagues. Yeah, maybe you are gonna have, uh, you're you're gonna change your strategy up and really go all in on a couple players, try to profit just because there's gonna be so much variance. Whereas if you're playing something like thirty to forty leagues, uh, you can really kind of. Zero in on how you're going to diversify a little bit more. Uh, be more meticulous with your player portfolio. Do some more interesting things with those uh, roster construction techniques that we talked about. Get really subtle with how many uh, teams have seven running backs versus how many teams have, have six Uh and then if if you are playing that high volume, just keeping track and having a plan, just having something set up where you know exactly what you're doing in each draft, how each draft shakes out, so all of a sudden you don't uh you don't end up with forty drafts, but every single draft has six running backs, and uh not that you can't win that way, but probably it might not be optimal just to uh keep one strategy and not adjust.
2: Yeah, and another question I have for you is uh, maybe somebody out there had more T.J. Elden shares than I had. Maybe they had that Spencer <laughs> Ware sh- shares uh, amplified as well. Uh, you know, maybe somebody wasn't very successful in what they did last season, but now when they're looking at the the best ball season, they're thinking about taking it a little bit more serious. We've seen people over the years, you know, really dive into it, have over a hundred leagues, you know, hundred and fifty leagues, two hundred leagues, all the way up. There were some guys last year, you know, hitting close to those thousand leagues. So when you have a lot of people doing it like that, and then uh, you're trying to compete with them, trying to get a little bit more serious. What's the best way a person can really uh, improve and amplify their uh, best ball performance uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks?
3: <laughs> well, first of all, I would say don't be intimidated by the people playing extremely high volume yeah. Unlike, <laughs> un- unlike... <laughs> Unlike DFS, people aren't getting uh, immediate uh, results on these best ball leagues, and also you can just kind of throw $10 at a time at it. So uh, I think more so in in, uh, best ball than DFS, high volume doesn't necessarily equate to to skill level, so I definitely wouldn't be intimidated by that. And then the first question I would ask someone that just started last year and maybe thought they didn't do good or thought they did really well is how much volume did they play? Again, if you're only playing 10 leagues, you could easily win three or four leagues, think you're doing very well, not win any and think you're a really poor player. Kind of that cutoff mark for me is about 30 leagues. That's where you should start seeing kind of a, a even sample of uh, random results, and and that's where they could kind of start to level out. And that's also assuming that you stayed within your buy-in range. That's something we didn't touch on. But uh, if you're if you're kind if your buy-ins are all over the place and you only won your $10 leagues and lost all your $50 <laughs> leagues, your, your results aren't going to look very good. Um, so I will definitely tell people to to go back and see that. Did you play, did you just play one buy-in um, and then go and look at those, those teams that did win. Is there something that you uh, saw that was constant? Go back previous years are, was there just a big? Uh, was there a big shift in, in something that happened this year? Like this year, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were the, the popular players we've touched on quite a bit. That doesn't mean you should just be pounding rookie running backs next year. Uh, is, is it because of the team or the offense they're in? Just looking for those trends, and the easiest way to do that is just consume as much content as possible. Uh, you know, there's multiple people: Mike Beers, Josh ADHD, putting out amazing content on Best Ball that can really Uh, streamline this process of trying to figure out what the hell's going on at best ball there's just so much out there and after you've done all that I would say just kind of looking at your your strategy really figuring out those those onesie positions those running back and and uh, wide receiver positions or those are going to vary a lot but I would say zero in on if you're brand new zero in on quarterbacks uh tight ends defenses and figure out how that really impacts what you're doing because that's the that's the easiest one to figure out and it can really drive your success i mean if you If there's one obvious thing that stood out to me over the years is if you're loading up on those positions too much you're just not giving your team enough of the ceiling to succeed and I think probably this is a whole podcast on its own but that really comes down to giving yourself an opportunity to maximize that flex position if you have uh, six positions allocated to quarterback and defense probably going to be pretty hard to do that so uh, did you have a a good strategy but end up with, with too many of those positions that couldn't contribute elsewhere I would go back and check those things out for sure.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, ADHD and beers and the work they do. The uh, Mike was on I think it was uh, two weeks ago. show, and then we have uh, Josh recording with him uh, next week, so we'll have that coming up in the near future. So, lots of good uh, strategy talk with them as well. So, make sure if you've enjoyed this one to check those ones out as well. You touched there kind of on bankroll. You know, if you're in $10 leagues and $25 leagues, it's always a very important thing to kind of prioritise heading into it. I know some people will say, well, I like, kind of just have a strategy of playing in a certain amount of leagues, but you do need to just have, you know, a little bit of a, a look ahead. You don't want to be all of a sudden that you're in $10, $25 leagues and your budget for the season was uh, $150. <laughs> is your $100 over budget when it gets to March and you want to draft all the way through the summer. So make sure you just keep a close eye on that. So is that something that you prioritize ahead of time? And then the other thing, I guess I'll, I'll ask you, uh, how is your planned approach going for 2018? Uh, or are we going to wait a couple of weeks before you really start to think about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I more so try to figure out my plan, not so much on bankroll, but but on time management. So. Uh, <laughs> so i mean if my goal is 50 i'll try to say how can i spread that out without um, i i never really want to have more than five going at the same time i'm not i'm not the highest volume player obviously but i'm also playing enough where it's 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 a it's pretty significant so this year this year's going to be interesting because uh, best Ball is moving. It's not going to be on the MFL platform anymore. So we're going to have we have Fan Ball and Draft. So I think probably what my approach is going to be this year is to look at those formats, try to figure out exactly how much volume and and where I want uh, my money to be spent the most. Uh, so I think there there might. Be a, a profit opportunity here, just because I think there might be some players that shy away from it because uh, it's moving to a different format. But we also might get a, a influx of players, especially on draft, where they're running a lot of uh, a lot of different game types and some DFS and, and snake draft type games. Uh, there could be opportunity for a lot of new players that weren't playing before. So early in the year, I'm just kind of going to uh, poke around on both of those sites and figure out what what the best approach is, and then again, just Getting into these player evaluations, I haven't looked at one, one player coming into the 2018 draft <laughs> class yet, so that's my big process over the next couple of weeks. But uh, this year I'm going to be diving in a little bit earlier than usual. I always start around April, June. This year I'm probably going to be starting as soon as they kick off.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. It's just uh, kind of always the week after the Super Bowl when I start to look at those prospects, and I tend to stay away. I don't watch any college football, so that's my kind of forced exposure, and then I start to really dive into it. You mentioned that I'm going to start a little bit earlier too because uh, there's a baby on the way in April, so that's going to uh, take away from some of that time of uh, figuring things out. So uh, I'll have to start looking into it, I think, over the next couple of weeks, do a little deep dive, then get that out of the way, and then start to work towards it again after that. So uh, it's, been, uh, it's been fantastic, TJ, having you on. It's always uh, a pleasure talking to you every time we have you on the list should already be following you but if they are not they can find you at tj hernandez as always tj it's been a pleasure
3: yeah thanks for having me uh everybody once super bowl's over take a break from football man we need to breathe a little bit <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think we definitely do we need a couple of weeks just to to relax and take that a uh, deep intake of breath but that's going to do it for today's edition of the road Baseball series i'm colin kelly you can find me on twitter at overtime ireland thanks very much for listening in and until we're back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Best Ball Series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.
0: The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's
1: insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All-Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.